Hi there, my name is Maddie Miles. I am a board-certified integrative health practitioner, clinical herbalist, women's health practitioner, and founder of Peace Love Hormones. Our mission is to educate and empower women to take back control of their menstrual and overall health through our educational platforms and organic herbal supplements, which I formulate myself alongside my incredible team of herbalists, naturopaths, traditional Chinese medicine practitioners, and doctors. And welcome to our amazing podcast show, where we will uncover why your health may be struggling and how to heal your hormones and optimize the health of your entire mind and body naturally. Now let's get to it. Hello, sweet friends. It is me, Maddie Miles, the founder of Peace Love Hormones and the host of the Peace Love Hormones podcast. I am very happy to have you here with me today. I am bringing on one of my friends. She is a local Austinite. She is a fellow herbalist. I actually met her at an herbal medicine retreat with Rosemary Gladstar earlier this year, and she is a post-birth doula. She is a very intelligent and wise woman who herself has been through many life experiences experiences, one of which she is a mom. So she's been through the entire process of creating a little human inside of her body, birthing that human and raising that human as well. So she's just an incredible woman. She shares so much insight and light into the world of post-birth doulas and how they can support a new mama and new father and really just provide that care, that love and attention for the mom and for the parents because so much of our post-birth care is for the baby, which of course the baby needs post-birth care as well, (laughs) but the mom does too, you know? So anyway, we have a beautiful conversation. Tears are shed, laughs are shared, and it's just really a beautiful educational and insightful episode. Before we get into it, I'm going to read a recent Soothe review. It was actually done in July, but I am trying to catch up right now because we just get so many reviews, which is such an amazing and beautiful thing. So to all of the women out there who have written reviews on my website, whether it be for Soothe or Bitters or Sleepy, thank you so much with all of my heart. It means so much to me. Alicia B., I'm going to read your Soothe review. I haven't felt this normal in eight years. I've been using this for about three weeks now. This magic in a bottle arrived on the first day of my period, and it was the first period in eight years where I I didn't have to call in from the crippling pain, didn't experience bloating and discomfort, and simply felt normal. My mood and even confidence has improved. I wake up eager to take my daily dose because I know it makes a difference. I'm also very mindful of clean eating, staying active, and drinking a lot of water. So glad I subscribed to get this product monthly. Buy this now. And this is about Soothe, by the way. Thank you so much, Alicia. I'm so happy that you are loving your periods now. You're not experiencing any of those negative symptoms. And it sounds like my herbal tincture was just the missing apart to your already very like healthy and established equation with nutrition, sleep, stress management, and hydration, movement, nature, and herbal medicine. So I'm so happy for you. Thank you for writing that review. I won't keep you all any longer with this introduction because the episode is a long one. Just full disclaimer, it is longer than my normal episodes. It's not that long. It's only an hour. 
But it's so informational, so I really hope that you stick around for the entire episode because all throughout the episode, beginning, middle, and end, there are just such beautiful and powerful moments. So let's get into it, my friends. Hello, Corey. Welcome to the Peace Love Hormones podcast. I am so excited to have you here today. We have been planning this for the last few months, ever since we first met, to get you on the podcast because you told me while we were at an herbal medicine retreat together one weekend and we're on a little walk together. You told me that you are a post-birth doula and I really didn't know that existed. And I just thought how many other women have no idea that that exists? Because of course I knew that there are doulas and birth doulas and pre-birth doulas, but I didn't know that there was someone dedicated who like literally is in classes and courses and training to just support the mom, not the baby, not the dad, just the mom. And I was very intrigued and, again, just very curious as to how many other women are kind of in the dark about that. I have my own sister and sister-in-law who are new mamas, and neither of them worked with one, which I'm sure that they would have if they would have known that you all existed. So that is why you are here and the Peace Love Hormones community, everyone listening, is just amazing and very interested and passionate about this realm. So we welcome you with open hearts. Thank you. Thanks. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, this is my first official postpartum doula discussion. Um, so I'm really excited to just share what I know, share what I experience, and help get the word out there that there most definitely is some very loving and very mama and family-centered care available for after the baby comes. Beautiful. So can you explain to myself and all listeners exactly what a post-birth doula is? I know I just mentioned like it's mostly for the mama, but explain what you all really do. Yeah. So we can kind of look at it as a new set of parents is birthed whenever the baby is birthed, right? So mom and dad kind of need this mothering as far as additional support in knowing how to go about taking care of this new being mm -hmm. day in and day out. So it's kind of looks like mothering mom and dad and offering them the support that is needed so that they can feel empowered, so that they can feel good in following their own intuition. It really looks like a non-medical professional who is there to offer physical and emotional and informational support to not just the mom, the collective I work for, we focus a lot on the mom, but also the partner mm -hmm. and making sure that the partner feels supported in their role oh, of, that's great. of this new family dynamic. Yeah. Okay. That's great. I didn't know that. So that is amazing. I'm not a mom, but I've heard a common saying or theme from a lot of moms in my life that basically you have your baby, whether it's in hospital or not usually like more in the hospital setting because they're going typically that route instead of like a midwife and doula. And they're just sent sent off afterwards. They're like, okay, have fun with this new human that, you know, 
you're strangers. Of course, you you love your baby, but you're strangers. You don't know how to take care of this thing. So I've heard that a lot. So it's super important that there is that support. So how often, what frequency do you usually see the the new parents and how long are sessions usually? And, and really, it just sounds like you just tailor the session to like what they need because there's some things that they may already know or already feel comfortable with doing. And then there are other things that they're like, I need support with this, or I need like a connection of yours, like for lactation support. So what do the frequency and like the meetings look like? Unfortunately, we are not sent home with a, here's how to be a parent handbook. Mm -hmm. Lots of people have done their absolute best to write really helpful books with that kind of information. But it's kind of like, I guess, being in an emergency and needing to know what to do in that moment. You can prepare yourself as much as you can, Mm -hmm. but it's whenever you're really in it and you're on day five without sleep and Google is really just this deep, dark rabbit hole that can, Mm -hmm. that can hurt more than it can help. Those are those moments where the support of having a postpartum doula really becomes invaluable. Mm -hmm. So although a session does look like uh, four hours at a time is what we offer, the support is throughout the day. The collective that I work for, it's called Nest and Bowl. So it's a group of postpartum doulas. And we connect with our clients through an app called Voxer. Mm -hmm. And it is you know, just kind of one more way to stay in touch with other people, but it allows to separate work from personal life. So it's a space where I can go in and check to see if my client has any questions in that moment. Mm-hmm. That part of it, I I bring that up because that part of it, just knowing that there is a lifeline there available during those really tough moments of the day can kind of like make you or break you. It can, being in the depths of motherhood, especially new motherhood, can feel very isolating. So one four-hour session a week, you know, sometimes it's just not enough. Yeah. So those are those moments when that boxer line really comes in handy. Sometimes moms just need a word of support or just a little push back into this realm of, you know, your body you know your space, you know your family, you can do this. All of that to say that the sessions that we offer are typically uh, one to two times a week, and they are four hours at a time. The sessions are very tailored, specific to each family. Sometimes it looks like more support around maybe an older sibling, welcoming the baby. Sometimes it looks like completely rearranging the nursery so that it makes sense to where mm-hmm. the diapers and the wipes and and all of that are right next to the changing table and you know yeah it can so it can look like so many different things but the tailoring of these services to the family are always going to be centered around four pillars and those four pillars are going to be the nest which is the home the bowl, which is what mama is eating, community, so looking at the circles of care that family already has around them, and nature. Nature is that fourth pillar, and nature is what is always going to be holding us whenever it feels like nobody else can or nothing else can. 
that connection to nature and that connection to spirit is something that can always be accessed and is always available. Mm -hmm. So those are the four pillars that we really focus on centering care around whatever that care might look like for that family. Sometimes it's more physical. Sometimes mama's going to need a foot rub and a shoulder, Mm -hmm. shoulder rub because holding a new baby and breastfeeding or even formula feeding, bottle feeding, you're using different muscles in your arms than you're not used to using. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm sore after taking care of my nieces and nephews. Right? It's, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, I've literally like 10 times the amount of, of appreciation that I usually have, which I already have so much appreciation for all mamas and especially my sister and sister-in-law. And then once I'm with the babies, you know, I'm like, wow, like, First of all, this is an arm workout. Yeah. <laughs> Constantly carrying this little human around, but feeding and you're just always having to think of another being outside of you. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, what you do is so important because there's all this talk on, you know, my wheelhouse, so to say, is really preconception. And really, once a woman gets pregnant, then she transitions into someone else. And there's all this talk about supporting your hormones long before, and I'm so happy that we're talking about this, but long before you ever want to get pregnant or perhaps someone never to someone else. And there's all this talk about having healthy periods because we know that, you know, having that all in check and very healthy and operating smoothly goes way beyond just, you know, having a healthy pregnancy or not. So I, you know, really focus in there. And then we have a lot of people who focus on pregnancy. So like you are pregnant, this is how you're taking care of yourself and the baby to be, mm-hmm. nurturing baby's future brain health, etc. And the fourth trimester is rarely ever talked about. Like I said at the beginning, it's like what I've heard, I'm curious to hear your birth story too, but it's basically like, okay, you have this baby and then you're sent home after a day or two. And how just daunting that seems even to me and who knows what I'll do but you know my intention is to do more of like the midwife route and go to a birthing center and work with doulas mm-hmm. so birth doulas and I'm, I want to work with you want to be my <laughs> my yeah. post birth doula come Absolutely. on over you, you're seeing our house right now this is where well maybe we'll actually move by then but yeah just that that support is so is so so crucial because outside of just taking care of a new little human that you know you're learning how to communicate with you're also taking care of yourself and just you're a completely different woman and just how how much that would be just in and of itself, you know? Like mm-hmm. we were just talking about this before we started recording on the podcast of saying goodbye to previous versions of ourselves and closing chapters of our life is already very hard to, to do as a human. Mm-hmm. And pretty much within, you know, 24 hours, yes, there's that like nine, 10 month period of really, you know, waiting and preparing and perhaps reading books. But like you said, you don't really know. And however great a book is, no matter who it was written by, everyone has such a unique experience. We don't have to know it all right once our baby is born. Mm -hmm. We can really just learn as we go, like we do with everything in life. So I just digressed a bunch. I don't even know where I got to. But talking about the fourth trimester. And yeah, I just love that you all focus on the fourth trimester. And it's not just, you know, because there's so much baby support after birth Absolutely. and the weekly yeah. check-ins. And I was actually very conscious about when my sister had a baby this previous year, really at, at the very beginning stages, 
trying my best to only really check in on her or at least check in on her first, like ask how she's doing before asking how my niece was doing. Everyone wants to like hold the baby and see with the baby. And it's like the mom is is struggling too and she needs support. She's like this new birth human as well. Who's going to hold the mom? Mm -hmm. But as I approach my mother in years, I've realized like, oh, I think I actually may want to move closer to family when Mm -hmm. that happens because – the thought of not being by my mom, my sisters, sister-in-law, et cetera, would be really tough. I do have a great community here, which is is huge, but who knows if we'll all have kids at the same time or if we do, maybe it would be tough to really be there for each other because it's like I can't really give you a lot of energy right now because I my energy is being consumed mm-hmm. by my process. So it's, it's just a lot to think about and – and it's lovely that you all exist. <laughs> There's a lot to consider with it. You know, not too long ago, we did live in these multi-generational households. You know, I mean, there's something to be said about the hyper-independence that mm. our society almost kind of prides ourselves on. Yeah. And living in, just living so separately does not set our moms up for support, even having, you know, postpartum doula, you know, scheduling people to come by, making, you know, kind of just making sure that there's still that, that love and that support there. At the end of the day, it's typically one or two parents in the house with one or more kids and that child being a new baby. So whenever you are two parents and one new baby. I mean, golly, even that's challenging. That I mean, I was going to say it, it seems like it should feel more manageable than having like four children and a new baby and two parents in the house, right? There's so many more bodies to take care of, but it's, you know, it's not an equation. It's not a math equation. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're new parents and it is all so new, it's challenging to, you know, to go that long without sleep or, going large chunks of time with short amount of sleep and or short amounts of sleep and learning how this new being communicates. Like you said, like it can't say with words. So like, what do the different cries mean? What, you know, maybe this one means, means that they're hungry. This one means that they've got a dirty diaper. This one just means that they have been away from mom too long. Like going back to the multi-generational household, you know, it would have been that there were aunts or grandparents who didn't have other children to care for that were available Mm -hmm. to help with these other loads. So it's like at the end of the day, it's not just the two parents and the child. It's the two parents and the child and maybe a couple of other adults that can make sure that the dishes are done, make Mm -hmm. sure that Things are picked up or the laundry is switched over so it doesn't smell moldy. So you have to wash it again. And, oh, the worst. You know, it, it really is. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, there's just so many pieces to to living these lives that we've kind of created. Hyper-independence. I like that term. That's, yeah. Yeah. So. For sure. There's a, there's a balance, you know, for sure. And I think that really? there are times, mm-hmm. different times of our life that are more requiring of that community, you know, and and there's always like a duality to everything as well. Like you can be, 
nomadic and traveling all around the world and that can be really exciting but also very lonely at the same time just like you can be very happy that you have a new baby but also like feeling sad Mm -hmm. because you're mourning your old self and you're sad because you feel like no one understands what you're going through or is no one's really there for you. Yes. So, is, yeah. This I was just this is like the the Do paradox I, of new yeah. parenthood is there is this this I mean just absolute joy of like this is my baby. Yeah. And there's this sadness of who you've left behind. And then sometimes that joy doesn't show up immediately. And some moms are like what's wrong with me? Why yeah. don't I feel joyful looking at my child? And there are different things that can come into play. And this is another, this is another point where it's really helpful to have somebody who has seen mothers go through this transformation several times over to be able to say, you know, it's okay that you don't feel absolutely joyful right now to see your child. This is the first week of being a parent and there's so many hormones that are running through your body and you were you were mentioning right hormones and part of what my role is is helping the mom actually stay in that very vulnerable very open very hormone rich state that that mamas are in right after giving birth and all of that oxytocin is just flooding through our bodies and there's relaxin, which is another hormone that was really helpful to move the bones and stuff during childbirth, but there's an excess of that. And all of your hormones are just kind of going up and down. And and part of my job is to help moms feel safe staying in that vulnerable state, staying open. Our intuition is so heightened in that time. Our, our connection to spirit our connection to nature, like we are so primal in especially those few days after birth. And so much is happening in our bodies and in our souls and with our babies. And to make these connections, it can feel like a scary place to be open and vulnerable in. Because as we were saying, now you're in this space where this other thing needs you 24 hours a day. That is part of Part of what we're there for is to to help assist through that transformation of that kind of shedding of the old person and stepping into the skin of who this new human is, really embracing these beautiful new parts of, of this mama while she releases and mourns these other parts of herself that she's letting go. Sometimes it even looks like helping mom grieve the birthing process that she didn't receive. Mm, That's big. That can be a big one. And a lot of people are so quick to move into this, like, well, at least you have a healthy baby. At least you're healthy. And it's like, well, yes, obviously, like, obviously. And it's that, it's that duality of existing. Yeah. It's like, thank goodness that I have a healthy baby, but also doesn't discredit or, you know, take away everything that you did exist. And that's big because Mm -hmm. no matter how much 
prep work you can do before birth, it's like when you're in the moment, it's going to happen how it's going to happen, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, Dr. Aviva Ram had just posted something actually yesterday, which I was like, oh my gosh, I love when (laughs) there's synchronicity between like, I feel like like the collective of women talking about a certain topic. And I'm like, I'm literally about to record a podcast or already did record a podcast on that. But she was talking about how the stat is about like one in five women are reporting medical mistreatment. Mm. Uh, pregnant women are re- reporting medical mistreatment. Maybe it's one in four. Mm. Either way, a, you know, a big number, a big yeah. percentage of women. And it's just – it's it's really sad and disheartening to hear that because, I mean, we've been dealing with it for a while <laughs> before yes. we're pregnant, after, you know, we give birth, et cetera. But – it's just such a delicate time and such like a a huge transition. I mean, I listening to you talk and just really talking about this subject in general as, you know, someone who does want children but hasn't had it yet, it like brings up so much emotions because I'm like, I'm scared, but I'm also excited and it looks so beautiful. And, you know, but I mean, it's just, it's that like wave of emotions, mm-hmm. right? And you have like really high highs and low lows and everything in between. So it's really sad to to know beforehand like that that many women are receiving medical mistreatment while they're pregnant while they're giving birth as well. So I'm so happy that you brought that up because it's it's sad to say this but it's also true a lot of women experience that that mistreatment while they're giving birth, actively giving birth. Yeah. And it's already such a massive like high pressure time but to have that type of energy in the room on top of that of any sort of disrespect it's i i honestly can't really wrap my head around like how i would feel in that situation right so my heart goes out to any woman who's felt that mm, during same. her birthing process and these are just women who are reporting it i'm sure others out there that don't feel comfortable yeah and it's not even necessarily like the doctor or the midwife was was being rude, but like a complication just came up. Sure. That someone wasn't prepared for, like a super last minute C-section. Or, you know, maybe you were doing at home and then you had to be taken to hospital. Like things just happen sometimes. And to move through that, like however is needed, right? Somatic therapy, herbs, doula support, like mm-hmm. just everything to really move through what could have been perhaps a traumatic experience. Absolutely. And that's where we we have a great resource bank of connections throughout the community. So yeah, sometimes that work does look like, you know, just helping mama talk through her experience. Sometimes just a mama talking through her experience and being heard and being witnessed in feeling what she felt through that, through her whole experience and journey, sometimes that is exactly what's needed is to just have somebody else there who has seen things like this before, has heard things like this before, and who is able to look at that mama and say, I see you, I hear you. That sounds like it was really, really, really challenging for you. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes it takes more support than that, which is where we are able to um, start hearing, you know, just kind of start hearing more of what mama is needing, what she's requesting. And then from there, we're able to connect her with different types of therapists, somatic therapists, or sometimes craniosacral 
therapy is really helpful or even just talk therapy or whatever that looks like. Some moms specifically want people who will come to them in their home or who will do Zoom therapy sessions because they're not ready to leave the house. So rather than mama needing to dig through all those resources or, or you know, just throw something out there on Facebook or start doing a Google search, um, that's where we kind of start cutting through that cutting through all of the mess that somebody might have to look through mm -hmm. and we can start connecting uh, them with other members of the community that can bring in the the specific type of support that that mom is needing. That's for sure a huge valuable to see in a post-birth doula is the network that you all have mm -hmm. as well. So you don't have to get into that Google search <laughs> dark tunnel where you're like, yeah, like who do I? And it really is like I was listening to a podcast earlier this week on, you know, with the post-birth doula. And she's like, it's like dating. Like you really want to meet these people beforehand and be like, do we like you can be a super smart, wise, intuitive, wise woman, but if we don't actually really like our personalities don't jive together, then you know, because this person's gonna see you in some of your most like vulnerable moments, sometimes like completely naked, trying to, you know, breastfeed and feed and nourish your child, and maybe that's a struggle. And so it's, you know, you want that person to feel safe in your own body as well. And one of the things we do is we help moms figure out who is it in their community that they might feel comfortable with. As we said, it tits out, yeah. you know, you're just, you're just, yeah. I mean, boobs are out, maybe blistered and sore and unshowered. And, you know, I mean, we, there. Part of our job is who can you call on in your community? Who is your person? Who are your people that you have around you that you can call in those moments where you're feeling so deeply vulnerable? You know, that's a huge thing that we are, you know, we had touched on briefly before, but community. So like outside of your family, right? Because not everyone lives by their family. Right. And, you know, your post-birth doula, like I love that you guys have that chat function, but mm -hmm. Outside of the post-birth doula, like who else, how do you help a, a new mom, new parents really find those people in their community yeah. to support them? Right. Like what does that process look like? Is it just like a matter of like talking of like who are you close to and what's going on in their life right now? Like yeah. how, how do you do that? Yeah, it really kind of is. One great practice that we did in our training is we created our own circles of care. And kind of starts with that inner circle, like who are your number one, the closest people that mm. that you would want there? Who Who is it that really makes you feel good, held? You have them ready. And you can let them know, or if you're working with a doula and you want to take one more thing off of your list and put it onto mm. theirs, they can let those family members know, hey, mm. you know, you've been identified as like the person who, whenever mama's feeling at her worst, she wants to call you. Are you ready for that? Like, are you okay with that? And then after that is maybe, okay, maybe the people who you don't feel comfortable with, like seeing you naked and crying on the floor if you're having a really tough time, but somebody who you do feel comfortable being a little bit more vulnerable with. And then outside of that, okay, who are the people that we can look at to maybe hand off 
tasks like dog walking or laundry, people that you trust, and then, you know, beyond that, okay, who are, who are going to be the people that you want to reach out to for meal support or, mm. you know, so there's, there's these different levels. It makes me think of um, meet the Fockers, right? Like yeah. you're in the, you're in the circle, <laughs> mm-hmm. but that's a great way to just kind of identify and then using different emojis to identify different people in mom's phone mm-hmm. or in dad's yeah. phone. So that way, you know, these people are easy to identify. Let's say a uh, mother-in-law is, is there and oh you know we need somebody to walk the dog you know the dog hasn't been walked in three days and you know so mom can just say you know look through my phone and hit the dog emoji Mm -hmm. and whoever the contact is Mm -hmm. right that has that in there will pop up so there's just little tricks like that that's that makes it easier for everybody in the mama's circle of postpartum care it might just be her and her partner, but sometimes even her partner needs to be yeah. able to know and easily identify this person's the dog walker. Or even just for the partner to know like their role too, because I hear this a lot with with women who do choose to breastfeed, mm-hmm. with new mamas who choose to breastfeed, and they're really the ones getting up during the night yeah. with baby, and the dad saying... We literally just have, I'm bringing this up specifically because it was just a few weeks ago that we had this conversation with some friends here in Austin and he was like, their their baby is about like one and a half, I want to say now. He's like, it's, it's awesome. Like I, you know, I feel like I have this little me, like this little best friend, but you know, it was really tough at first because I didn't know what my role was because my wife was getting up and, you know, doing all the feedings even during the day. Right. But at least I could be there during the day to, you know, to clean. So basically like, do you want to shed some light on, you know, for partners listening to this, how, how they can step up and gosh, I mean, to me right now, what sounds amazing is like walk the dog clean, (laughs) change the laundry. It's literally the worst. But I did this the other week. I forgot until the next morning. We like threw in a load of laundry before we went out to dinner. And then I just forgot to change it till the next morning. I was like, this smells disgusting. Yes, yes. <laughs> so like someone to be on top of those daily tasks that we do before we're parents, uh-huh. you know, mm-hmm. so that if mom is doing all the feedings and that's very emotionally and physically draining, that you can have a partner that's stepping up in other ways. Like you can still be a very contributing, helpful partner. Yes. So things that I've heard from partners – because I've been on the mom side of it. Things that I've heard from other partners is one suggestion is do anything that doesn't have to do with feeding the baby. Mm -hmm. Because if that's mom's role, if she is deciding that she 100% wants to breastfeed only, no bottle feeding, Mm -hmm. then it's helpful for dad to take over diaper changing and laundry and... Mm -hmm. And, 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 right? All of these other things. There's and groceries. (laughs) Let's also move to like, is that realistic? Because on top of that, a lot of men don't get, well, I'm I'm saying men, a lot of partners don't get paternity leave or don't necessarily get the same kind of leave that mom might get. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times they're maintaining their day in, day out, you know, job, as well as taking over mom stuff at the house, the things that she has been doing. This is where it gets really helpful to have a list of things for people to do if they come over. Because one of the things I've heard a lot is that people want to help 
but they don't know how. Mm-hmm. We'll come back to that because I want to continue on with how to support partners. Mm-hmm. Another way that partners can be supportive is, and this is something that I've heard directly from a new dad, is just do, don't ask, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's like moving into that role of just being really, really observant yeah. around the house mm-hmm. and just taking the trash out, just doing the dishes, being overly helpful. Yeah. Sounds not great. waiting for mom to have to say, hey, could you do this? Hey, could you do that? Nobody can read minds, right? Yeah. <laughs> like there's there's that. But just getting really clear, I think, on house tasks beforehand, if that's possible, mm-hmm. is probably really helpful. And getting really clear on dad realizing like mom's going to have very limited movement. Like it's interesting because on the outside, she looks like a whole human, right? She doesn't look sick. She doesn't have a part of her body missing or bleeding, obviously, right? So it's sometimes hard for parent or for partners to remember everything that mama has just gone through. And like, even though she doesn't, even though she appears well, she needs to rest. She yes. does not need to be up and walking around a lot. And it's hard for mom to remember that too because she just gets sick of laying there. Yeah. So I think just getting really clear on the tasks beforehand, on saying, you know, these are going to be your responsibilities as the partner of the house. And if you're feeling like any of this is too much, let's move it to this list. And this list is the list that says, hey, if you're visiting and you want something to do and you're not sure how to help, here's a whole list of things that you can do. That's great. You can load the dishwasher. You can unload the dishwasher. You can do laundry. You can, you know, know, I mean, vacuum the floors or, yeah, like just whatever the things are that need to be done that don't often get done. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. Because, yeah, I love that that you said – you mentioned people really do want to help mm-hmm. like 99.99% of the time, especially like people in your circle, mm-hmm. in your inner circle, and especially in your family. They want to help. Yes. Hello, sweet friends. It's Maddie here. If you are looking for natural remedies to support your well-being, my herbal tinctures are just what you need. Carefully crafted with love and intention and backed by centuries of herbal wisdom, my potent herbals are designed specifically to nurture a woman's health. Whether you need a little extra support during your menstrual cycle or a boost to your digestive system or help with sleep and your nervous system, there is an herbal tincture for you. And here is the best part. As a big thank you from my heart to my incredible podcast community, I want to offer you an exclusive discount. Just use the code podcast during checkout and you'll save on your order. So head on over to peacelovehormones.com and explore the wonderful world of herbal remedies for women. Remember, our bodies have an innate ability to heal, and my tinctures are here to support and guide you on your wellness journey. Also, as a final note, bitters and sleepy can be taken by men as well. Now let's get back to the show. We had a few questions from other mamas, and I do want to let everyone listening know that Corey is going to connect me with some amazing birth doulas in her network who will come on the Peace Love Hormones podcast. So please know I'm not ignoring your questions. I have them all written down, and I will make sure to ask a birth doula or or whoever will make sure that we answer everyone's questions, whether it's me, a birth doula, someone who, who knows that and is an expert in that realm. 
There were some questions about the fourth trimester, about, yeah, just that time after birth for specific birth doulas. So number one, we haven't really just talked about this. I would just want us to go over what are your favorite ways to kickstart recovery after birth? My first thought is do nothing. Mm -hmm. My first thought is be still and really embrace letting other people do the work for you. There's going to be plenty of work that shows up. I mean, we can call it work, but there's going to be plenty of feelings, plenty of memories, plenty of experiences from your own childhood coming up during this time that uh, that a mom may want to revel in or she may want to just reminisce or or she may feel the sensation come up of a memory that she really just wants to forget and ignore, which probably means it should be looked at a little more. <laughs> and we all get to choose when we look at these things and and when we work through them. So I would say as far as kickstarting recovery, really give yourself the opportunity to rest and let other people feed you and nourish you and rub your feet and draw you a bath. One of the biggest things that we do offer in this collective, we the training that we went through is Ayurvedic postpartum doula training. So there is a heavy emphasis on food. So this is another very important way that moms can embrace kickstarting recovery is ingesting foods within those first two to three weeks that are very easy to digest, very nutrient dense, warming foods, lots of herbal infusions, lots of red raspberry leaf tea. Red raspberry leaf specifically has been known to be helpful at helping the uterus contract back. And so And all of these warming foods, things like ginger and turmeric and pepper, this is all going to help to increase blood flow and really kind of help things move back into where they need to be or or settle in, not necessarily where they need to be. Your internal organs will never be as they were before because something grew and then deflated in that space. But these types of foods, the water-heavy easy to digest, nutrient-rich, they're really going to help feed your cells and feed your organs and feed your chi and bring it all kind of back up. Also, if you're choosing to be a breastfeeding mom, so many calories and so much energy is going to go towards that. Mm -hmm. So making sure that the food that that you're consuming is very nutrient-dense is really going to be helpful. If you're craving fast food, you know, Enjoy it if that's your choice and know that you will most likely be hungry pretty quickly afterwards because you're not really getting those that, you know, that dense, deep nutrient. Yeah, Yeah. Nutrition. I think those are two ways is really just move slow and eat food that assists with that recovery in those first few. And asking um, for help whenever possible. Asking for help. 
That's one of my dear friends. She's recently said that new motherhood has really helped her embrace the art of asking for help. Mm, yeah. And that's been one of her that's big beautiful. lessons. Well, I think that, you know, obviously this is generalizing women, but we tend to struggle with that department mm-hmm. or struggle with just doing things for ourselves. I've noticed. I was – vegan for six years. And I would say this all the time. And I've met so many women both in and out of my own practice who say the same thing, who are are vegan or were vegan. But like, I'll probably eat animal products and red meat when I'm pregnant, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, that's what I would always say. So again, doing, getting those extra nutrients, not for myself, but for my baby. Right. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. So we always, it's just like how we're programmed, Mm -hmm. you know? Even if we decide to never have a kid, it's just I see that more often than not, women are so good at putting other people and other things before us. Even if we like, because I do like to pride myself on, I've gotten really great at taking care of myself these last few years. But I, I feel like I really do take care of myself so much, like the best I ever have in my entire life. But it's still like I, I will put like even Colby, our dog, before me, you know, and like taking care of her and feeding her and taking her on a walk or even my partner at times. I fall into that, you know, that loop. And I mean, up until a little over a year ago, I was I was still vegan and like I was craving. I like I could taste and like smell chicken and salmon even though it had been six years without any of that and I still just kept saying like I'm fine without it but like I'll probably you know because Braxton would ask me because he was never a vegan but uh he's like do you think you ever will eat it again I was like probably when I'm pregnant you know so yeah. um it's just like learning to ask for help it sounds like even to me right now it kind of sounds uncomfortable like I'm trying to like listen to you at the same time my mind is running of like who would you ask for help? Who do you feel comfortable asking for help? We have Braxton's family literally down the road and I'm like, well, I wouldn't want to have to ask them to like do that much for us, you know? Like, I don't want to be like that mom, you know? Like, it's silly that I am already thinking that way when really when you like zoom out, it's such like a small piece of life, you know? Yeah. It it is. Uh And we always need support like in our life, mom or not, dad or not. Like whether you decide to embark on that, journey of of procreation we still always need community and we always need support with everything heck growing a business you literally need a community yeah yeah (laughs) my red flag was i thought that i could start a business and do it by myself yeah yeah exactly no i was like no i don't need help again hyper independence i'm strong independent woman but we just need help we need support and that much support though like having people come over and like do your laundry for you and cook for you and clean for you grab groceries is it's really a small small window mm-hmm. when you zoom out and really look at it like even you know talking to my sister like it seemed like it was a very long time but mm-hmm. you know my sister just happily went back to work it was her own choice and sofa's in daycare at the same my sister is a director at a daycare so they're they go together they have their morning commute together and yeah you know she's and everyone's different right like some people like around the 10 month mark, they're still in need of that support. And it's mm-hmm. like, just however long or however short it is, just really sink into that. And 
enjoy it too because it's a very unique time of our life where like people will do that like i can't really just text you know my best friend to come over and just do my laundry no like hey jen come on over please i'm i'm busy recording a podcast you know it's just well i know jen and i bet she would yeah if you needed her to (laughs) but it is one of the very few times in your life where most people will yeah go out of their way to help and to support you and your family. And it is such a small window of time and it affords us an opportunity to learn how to do this thing that we will need to do for our whole lives, which is lean on our community for support. Yeah. So it's, we were never meant to do this alone. We were never meant to do motherhood alone. You know, it's always been in a in a village or in a tribe or with with multi-generational families, you know, in older cultures, we're never meant to just be one man, one woman, you know, one child and like yeah. let's go for it. It was it was always meant to be a community. So it's wow. um, you know, and that bleeds over into I think everything. Yeah. You know, it means celebrations and grievances and you know, weekly dinners. And I mean, there's so many things that we do in community. Why shouldn't our day-to-day be in community? And obviously, right, taking care of our own responsibilities is our own responsibility, you know? Yeah, I'm not going to ask my neighbor to just do my laundry. (laughs) Oh, that's it's so beautiful putting it that way, though, because our 20s typically, especially nowadays, are this like hyper-independence, which again, I think there's a lot of beauty to the independent side. Like again, everyone's different. Everyone has different things that make them happy. For me, what made me happy is like doing my own thing Mm -hmm. and really breaking out of like where I grew up. Like, I mean, I graduated high school early. I moved to Spain and loved it. Truly still to this day, one of the best experiences of my life. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't even know how to speak Spanish really. (laughs) Like I just went. Yeah. And then I came back and I went to school, you know, that was a plane ride away from Chicago. So I still wasn't close. And then I decided I was going to move to Austin, Texas. And so I love that, but I'm just like speaking from my own experience and from a lot of people who are in my community. And I feel like 20s is really that time where people are like, I'm going to do my own thing. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful just to like, you know, bring like, you know, we this whole podcast episode has had a lot of positivity in it. But just to like emphasize on how beautiful it is to embrace that new time of life where, mm-hmm. oh yeah, like community and how important that is. My sister and I were just with each other a few weeks ago in Colorado. That's where she lives. And my parents bought a house in Steamboat in the in the mountains when we were all, you know, when we were younger. And so we've been, that's been like our sacred place to go back to every winter, every summer. And my sister and I were talking about how we're like, are you cool with this? Cause I'm cool with this. How about we all move back into this house and just raise each other's kids? <laughs> yes. And I think probably for the first time in my life that actually didn't scare me and said it was actually like a very beautiful possibility when I was thinking about it. Like, heck yeah, let's all move in here, you know, and how fun that would be. At the very least, let's do it every summer that we can, you know, we bring the kids here, we support each other. Can you imagine like how, I mean, uh, making meals together and, and doing dishes together and like, Although I wouldn't ask my friend to do laundry. Like, have you done laundry with your friend? 
Have you have you um, do, doing chores with <laughs> yeah. a friend? I have so, so much so much fun. More fun. Yeah, it's it so much like more it. fun. So like doing all those monotonous things that you that just have to get done with your people around you yeah. sounds like the oh, dream. I take that back. I mean, in undergrad, when I had roommates, pretty much after I graduated from undergrad, I lived alone up yeah. until living with Braxton. So, but in undergrad, I had at least, at least I always had one roommate, but one year we actually had three and we did all of our laundry together yes. and the cooking and the cleaning, even with Braxton, you yeah. know, it's, it's more fun to like, and we get it done faster when we're both doing it right. you know oh yeah yeah i mean i'm all for it so we'll see everyone yeah. will check back in in a few years yeah, right. i'll let you all know if we're actually doing it but i mean I, that my parents intention with that house was for that to happen too yeah. like place for us all to get together and and just be together and support each other and grow through all the seasons of life with each other that's really beautiful that they're able to offer that and for those that don't have that, we actually, um, Nestin Bull, who is the doula collective I work with, they offer once a month rooted mother's circles. Mm -hmm. And it is centered around the art of what we're calling revillaging. It's not yeah. a term that they have coined, but it's a term that's gaining more popularity in the sense of we really all should be walking through this day by day together. A circle for sharing, sharing celebrations or grievances or our joys or our struggles or our rage or just our contentment, sharing whatever is needed to be shared with the mamas and aunties and grandmothers that are in our community around us. So it looks like mothers or humans who love mothers and want to support them coming together and being together in circle, you know? And can people join virtually or is this a, like, how do mothers join this? It's in person okay. and uh, we meet in South Austin. Okay. The best way is to just pop on the website, nestandbowl.com. Mm -hmm. And there is a link in there that will lead you towards the Rooted Mother Circles and give you all the details. But the main idea is to weave connection with yeah. each other and resources in the community that we may need. Mm -hmm. We're really trying to bring the revillaging back. We're trying to bring the idea of all of these different generations being able to support each other yeah. to life. For people who in Austin who may not have the family. Yeah, I, I mean, was going to say, mm -hmm. I mean, not everyone has family nearby or, you know, siblings or family, you know, in general that are still yeah. around. And it doesn't have to just be family. It could be like, I like to call them my soul family as yes. well. You know, my soul tribe. Exactly. I, I feel like, you know, this and many other reasons, I just can never leave Austin because we have such cool offerings like this and gatherings. But yeah. for the many of my listeners who are not from Austin, is there a, like, for example, there's different organizations where you can go online and search up for like a naturopath doctor or a biological dentist or an herbalist. Like, is there one for post-birth doulas that people can just go online and search for one in their area? This is where I really feel like the grapevine comes in handy, yes. really connecting with community to find, you know, the names of the people or the businesses 
that people have had really good experiences with. Um, I know Dona, D-O-N-A, yeah. they do a lot of doula certification, so they might have an online okay. accessible portal that maybe you can like plug in a zip code and it'll tell you who's been certified near you. I'm not sure. Okay. But yeah, man, the grapevine is strong for things like that. I guess everyone listening just has to move to Austin. So <laughs> we can all be friends. You can see Corey. <laughs> to have your babies and then, you know. Yeah, just be here for the first like two years or so. That's great. And then, yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, we're coming up on time here. So any closing thoughts before we sign off today? Can I just say something that I really took away from this episode? Sure. That is just a reoccurring reminder in my life is – to just slow down and we go through seasons of our lives. We go through seasons within our own menstrual cycles where, you know, on our period, we want to, we should go more inward and we should take that time to rest and not just push ourselves through intense workouts and through all these social plans. So we go through micro seasons every single moon cycle. I love that. And then we go through macro seasons and it's just so beautiful to understand that, again, everything is a season, right? So everything is temporary. And to just go slow, just to go more slow. I don't – if anyone saw my story the other day, well, gosh, I, I mean, this this episode will probably be published in like a month from now. But I had posted a story. It was this study that was done where they injected a bunch of these beautiful, longstanding, like couple hundred year old trees with adrenaline so that they wouldn't hibernate and that they would keep growing and they all died mm. because they didn't get their hibernation they didn't get mm. that season of rest mm -hmm. and it was so beautiful i had chills and tears in my eyes because i was like no duh we're the same wow. <laughs> we're supposed to go inward as well and yes. you know we are supposed to have that time Again, micro, like I believe every single day we should have moments of solitude and, and rest and relaxation. And we get that through sleep too. So everyone prioritize your sleep at the, at the bare minimum, but also on a macro level, like going more inward, you know, each time throughout our cycle, when we have a baby, when we're going through something traumatic and we're moving through something, just to take that time to rest. Motherhood is a solitary journey. I will say like – it can feel isolating because you're the only one that can go through it. So every mother that gives birth, there are 300,000 other women in the world who have given birth on that same day, right? So think about that. Anytime you're a new mom feeling isolated, there are 300,000 other moms who, are, who also became moms that day and are feeling very similar to how you are feeling and how beautiful it is that to think like you are absolutely not, a, there's 300,000 other women who are feeling just as new and scared and vulnerable and joyful as you are in that moment, right? So remembering that you're absolutely not alone, but you are the only one that can go inward yeah. and come back out with the pearls that you find. And postpartum doulas or whoever you may find and assign to be your person during this sacred season, they are like the person up on the boat. There always has to be a person up on the boat to pull the pearl diver back up mm -hmm. after they have found that pearl inside. So having 
just having that touchstone, having that, uh, it's making me feel a little choked up, having that person there that can pull you back to the surface because in postpartum, you will go in, you'll go in and in if you allow yourself to. Mm -hmm. It's so juicy and there's no other time in a mother's life like these, these weeks, Mm -hmm. like this, these 42 days, this sacred season. Yeah. Allow Mm -hmm. yourself the time. If you can find the support, give yourself some extra love, give yourself some extra space to just, to just be. And in those moments where you're feeling at the end of your rope, remember that space is so valuable. Sometimes the best thing you can do is hand the baby off to the partner or the mother-in-law and say, I need five minutes to breathe, to cry, to to tap my chest, to self-haven, whatever the thing is that it feels like. Just remember that you, mama, are you. You're still a person. You still need the love and the support and the rest and the food. I was looking through my notes, actually, and I found a note where I had literally written. These are new notes within the past six months, too. I had written, make time to eat. Speaking of helping ourselves, right? I'm having to write notes for myself to remember to eat food because I feed my dog and my child (laughs) and then usually eat whatever he's left over. Uh, The child, not the dog. Um, But... giving ourselves grace to ask for help. Yeah. Wow. I got teary-eyed there. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on our podcast, Corey, for sharing your wisdom. Everyone drink some lemon balm tea, some red raspberry. Yes. Extra water. (laughs) We could have a whole podcast episode on just the herbal remedies that would really be beneficial during this time. So absolutely. Another time. <laughs> and I will say, I just want to wrap up. We didn't get to get into my birth story. That's a whole, oh, that's yes. a whole thing. It, the story always takes much longer than I expected to. But podcasts are say, always just, you're like, this will be like a 20, 30 minute episode, like an hour later. <laughs> right, right. Just spend the whole day chatting. What I will say, I did not have a postpartum doula. Mm-hmm. I wish that I would have. Because one of the things I remember the most out of my postpartum season was two of my friends came over who are now doulas and they rubbed my, one of them rubbed my hands. The other one rubbed my feet. Just like that was, they came over, they brought food, that sat down, got to work, mm-hmm. rubbing my hands, rubbing my feet. Felt so blissful. One of them excused themselves, went and scrubbed my tub, set up a candle, drew me a bath, and then came back down and said, we're going to take Hudson. I have a bath ready for you. Oh. Maddie, I just started bawling oh. in that moment. And like that, just that care, just to have somebody step in and know, just a moment of relief. Yeah. So if you're if you're wondering what to do, hand massage, foot massage, draw, draw a bath. bath. <laughs> Done. <laughs> So, oh, beautiful. So thank yeah. you so, so much. It can it can be simple, the ways that we show love. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. 
Well, thank you again for joining the Peace Love Hormones podcast. Thank you to everyone who listened. I know today was a longer episode, but we could have talked easily for another few hours because, you know, that's just number one, who we, I think we both are (laughs) as individuals, but especially together. And it's just this topic in general. It, It deserves a lot of recognition and explanation and love. So thank you all for listening. And until next time, peace, love, hormones. Hello, sweet friend. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast episode. If you feel called to do so, it would truly mean the world to me if you could write a review for our podcast and or just simply rate the podcast. Additionally, if you found this podcast episode helpful or if you found any of my other podcast episodes helpful, please do share with all of your loved ones to help spread the mission of Peace Love Hormones and to support both women and men with their overall health and well-being naturally. And don't forget to use code podcast if you are indeed interested in trying out one of my herbal remedies. And until next time, much love, peace, love, hormones.